Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. There are people that we know of that are always giving of themselves, always giving of their time or their energy or their money. And then we know the people that are the exact opposite. You don't have to put your hand up if you know anyone or you're sitting next to that person. But the first group of people who are always giving and always generous have an understanding of something. They have an understanding that we need to live our lives with a generous eye. And that's what our um, title this morning is, is A Generous Eye. So who knows that Christmas actually is only 27 weeks away? Do you believe it? There's about 190 sleeps to go, which is insane. I know um, through different connections or family members, not any family members here, um, but we often would do like the Secret Santa. Who's done Secret Santa before? It's where you get a name out of the hat and you take it and then you've got to buy a purchase, a present to a certain amount for that person. Um, And I know over times when we've done Secret Santas, um, often you would receive a gift or someone else would receive the gift and they didn't actually like the gift that they received. So then over the years and the course of time with those different people, we changed it up a little bit. So you would get the person's name out of the hat, the certain amount that you can spend per person. But then as the years went on, it went to having a massive list of the things that that person would want. So it's the list of I would like this, I'd like this, or even to the sense of that it even had the link to the website to go and purchase the gift. So Secret Santa over time started to lose its act of generosity and it all became about me, what I want and what I can get out of this, where that is the difference of who our God is and the lives that we live as believers is that we live with the generosity of not what I can gain, but what I can give and receive. So there's, um, in, there's scriptures in the Bible that the um, Jews would have um, idiom about with towards generosity, and I'm going to show it up on the screen. Matthew 6, 22 to 23. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole world, your whole body will be full of darkness. So looking at the word healthy in the Greek word for healthy or good, it actually implies generous. The Greek word for unhealthy implies stingy. Here the Jews saw that this one, this was one's eye as being generous or stingy and how the eye was, there the whole body was also. So what is a generous eye, you may be asking today? A generous eye is a heart that is open to giving. It's a heart that sees the needs, heart that sees the wants and then wants to meet them. It's a heart that's open-handed, that freely gives of its time, gives of a person's finances or a person's resources. It's a heart that is not focused on self, but rather it is a heart that is focused on others. So how can we live a life with a generous eye? What do we need to understand about this and what do we need to change in our thinking? There's three points which I'm going to cover today. A person with a generous eye understands generosity is more than money. Today, 
We know a generous person to be seen as open-handed. It might be that person that is free with their financial resources, a person who frequently pays for someone's dinner or coffee out, or maybe there's even a family member that has paid for school fees or a grandparent that has paid for school fees. Yes, that is generous. But a generous eye is more about having a God-centered mindset that guides us in being open-handed with our time, with our space, could be your home environment, with your energy, with your compassion, and yes, with your money. In Proverbs 22, it says this, he who has a generous eye will be blessed. In Luke 6, 38, it says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running out all over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you used, it will be measured to use. Billy Graham says this, the world needs more people who are generous with their time, their talents and their treasures. So a person with a generous eye understands that generosity is more than money, but it also, number two, embraces counter-cultural generosity. You know, making a donation, um, giving canned goods, we even have a canned good um, for our pantry here, is to be commended because that is generosity. But there is more counter-cultural, radical generosity we can practice and embrace. Do you know what it is? It is the generosity without the ask. It's a generosity born from abundance, but also through self-sacrifice. You know, it's that last minute driving someone to the airport because they couldn't get up to the airport in their own car. You know, those last minute calls. We've done that to Christopher before. Chris, please help us. Um, those, last minute gen those last minute acts of kindness. It's um, inviting someone into your home or into your space for a season. It's giving someone of maybe their laptop has died and you've given, you give up your laptop. Um, it's paying for a stranger's lunch. It's babysitting someone's children or child so that they can go out on a date that night. Um, it's being that person, a shoulder to cry on when someone's going through those difficult situations. So countercultural generosity is an active giving of ourselves without waiting for the ask. You know, often we can um, go to a funeral or even um, when you're changing your job roles. And isn't it quite interesting? You discover that people actually liked you. Um, you know, you get the card, the farewell card, or, or you're hearing different stories at um, a celebration of a person's life. And we can hear of all of those things and they're like, of the great things that you've done or those small things that you've done in their lives. But let's be countercultural. Let's not wait till a farewell or wait till a change of season in life. How about we be generous with our words now and today? And if you see something in someone, encourage them and say, hey, what you shared with me or what you did for me, like tell them now. Let's not wait till later in life because it's so powerful what our words can do because our words create life over a person's life. So live a life of generosity with your words. Proverbs 11.25 says this, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. How great is that? 1 Timothy 8, 6 verse 18 says this, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. 
Timothy Keller says this, generosity challenges the prevailing mindset that happiness is found in personal gain and instead reveals this, that true joy is found in selfless giving. So a person with a generous eye understands that it is more than finances, more than money. But number three, a person with a generous eye sees generosity as a spiritual gift or a spiritual act, sorry. So being generous doesn't depend on how much a person earns or what their income stream is. It's, it's more about what I have is ultimately not mine to begin with. And there is a story in the Bible of a young boy who illustrates this so well. His giving wasn't a transactional obligation. He didn't give out of obligation. He did it as an act of worship. Generosity is a spiritual act. And we're going to turn now to the Bible, to John 6. And you may have heard of this story in Sunday school or growing up at Scripture in your schools or even in church. But let's have a read right now. So John 6, sorry. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed over to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee. That is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up, he saw a great crowd coming towards him and he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test them, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him and he said, It would take more than half a year's wage to buy enough bread for each person to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon, Peter's brothers, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. I love how Jesus is ordered. Have them sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, he gave thanks and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. I have five loaves of bread, five loaves of bread, go out into the foyer afterwards and grab them, and a small lunchbox. It was a boy, I had the choice between girly looking ones or Avengers, but girls can like Avengers too, can't they? But this young boy, his mom had probably packed his lunch that day. We don't know where the boy was going to, but he had five loaves and two fish. <laughs> Thai red curry, delicious tuna or tomato and onion, delicious. I wonder if it was flavoured, but I think fresh is best, isn't it? Um, but this young boy, on his way, with his packed lunch, was he on his way to an important meeting? Was he on his way to school? Was he going to meet up with his friends? But on his way, 
as he was heading, he saw a need and he decided that he would release what had been given to him to see a miracle occur. Yes, what he had was insufficient. If you think about it, how could this small lunch feed over 5,000 people? There wasn't enough. We know that. We can see that. It wouldn't feed half of us in here or even just like my little family. We would need a lot more food than this. But what this young boy, what he had, what he had received from maybe his home, on his way, he'd been blessed with it. We don't know the story of this young man. His name is not even mentioned. But on his way passing through, he looked out and he saw a need. I ask you today, what is in your hands? What has God blessed you? What has he placed in your home? What has he placed into you so that you can release it? Maybe you might feel that it's insufficient. There's not enough. Maybe you think, wow, like what I have, what could even this possibly do? But do you know what? Just like the young boy that released his lunch and placed it into the hands of the father, we see a supernatural transaction take place. Sometimes we can find it hard to release. Maybe we find it hard to release because we want to be in control of how the miracle might outwork. Sometimes our thinking or even our perspective of who our God is can sometimes be... um, incorrect thinking and so therefore we come with that bit of oh I don't know if he's going to do it or will he be able to do it but our thinking of maybe even past experiences can view how we see God but what we do know from this young boy is that he had to release it and place it into the hands of the father I know for me over the course of my life I'm 40 years old and um, in being a generous person sometimes I've been afraid of lack I'm like okay God if I release this and give it into the house of God or give it to a person or bless another person I can sometimes feel like oh but if I give there's nothing left how will I be able to do all this or how will I be able to do all that But that's the incorrect thinking that we are not to have. And I love, um, we're at Life Group on Thursday night and someone had a beautiful view and perspective of saying, hey, when we come to God with our finances, it should be like that childlike faith. And I was thinking about it over the last couple of days and as a parent, like, you know what, when my children come to me and they ask of something, Of course I'm going to give it to them because I love them and I want to bless them. And I want, that's the same for, um, thank you, Prue, for sharing that thought. But I was like, you know what, when we release what we have in our hands, of course our Father's not going to leave us lacking with nothing. But we can go confidently to Him and say, Lord, what I have is Yours So what happens is a supernatural transfer happens. And do you know what? I have seen multiple miracles of where that supernatural transfer has happened as well. Because from our natural hands, we place it into the spiritual hands of our Father. And this is what is amazing about the story with the the young boy who gave of the five loaves and the two fish. What he had was insufficient. But when he placed it into God's hands, God made it sufficient. 
A miracle occurred, why? Because of this young boy's generosity. He released what he had and he trusted that God will do what only he can do. I can't feed the 5,000 fish. You people, you can't feed the 5,000 people, but we can release what we have and place it into the hands of the Father and see a miracle occur where over 5,000 people will be filled and fed. Can you imagine now, if the keys would love to join me, please, or the guitars, can you imagine now this young boy coming home after this miracle occurred? Can you just picture it? There's mum or dad standing there washing up the dishes and then he sees this young boy coming back, not just with five loaves and two small fish, Possibly he came back with a basket overflowing of fish and loaves of bread and his mum would be like, what's going on? Mum, you won't believe this. On my way to school, I saw all these people sitting around listening to Jesus and I saw this need and I saw this hunger in people and I'm like, Hey, I've got five loaves and two small fish. Imagine what God is going to do with that. I saw this miracle occur that everyone could eat all that they could hold in their stomach. It says in the verse here, it says, Then Jesus took the loaves and he gave thanks and he distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted, not as much as they needed, as much as they wanted. And he did the same with the fish. There was 12 baskets left over. 12 baskets that left were left over. Do we know if the young boy took it home? We don't know. Do we know how that God dispersed it out afterwards? We don't know. But what we do know is that we can trust God in that childlike faith, present and give to Him what He has given to us, place it in His hands and allow Him to do the miracles and the things that He wants to do. It's a trust, isn't it? A trust that God, what you have given me, it wasn't mine to begin with. It was ultimately yours and you have blessed me. And today, I'm placing it back into your hands. No act of kindness, no matter how small, is ever wasted. Generosity is not measured by the size of the gift, but by the heart that gives it. And today, in this place, I pray that with those three points that we're going to understand that generosity is more than money, that we embrace countercultural generosity, but we also see our generosity as a spiritual act. It's a spiritual act of worship. It's a spiritual act of saying, Lord, do what you can only do. And with every head bowed right now, Mother Teresa says this, generosity is giving more than you can 
and expecting nothing in return. That young boy, I believe he had that heart that when he went and, and released what he had to Jesus, I don't think he would have been expecting to be taking a basket full home. But who knows what did occur in that time and in that moment. Because I know and I've seen the miracles occur in my life that when I release and when I give, I'm not poorer because of it. I'm actually richer because of it. I lack nothing because of what I release into the hands of the Father. And He never leaves us lacking when they all had had enough to eat. That's who our God is. And Jesus in this place right now, We thank you, Father, for what you have blessed us with and what you have given us and what you have entrusted to us, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that what we hold in our hands, that we will invite you into all areas of our lives and not hold with a closed hand, but, God, that we will be open-minded, will be open-palmed and release it back to you, Jesus. And maybe you're in this place today and you don't yet know Jesus Christ. But can I tell you that he is a great father, an incredible friend that walks with us, that talks and communicates, that believes in you, that spurs you on, that calls you up to greatness, that doesn't leave you stuck in a hole, but says, hey, you're my son and you're my daughter. Come and walk with me. And if you don't yet know Jesus, but would love to invite him into your life and place him on the throne of your heart, I'd just love to ask you to lift up your hand so I can see it, but ultimately so that he can see it. And it's an act of faith of saying, God.